Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone-Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Annie Highwater. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies in Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall back on Coming Up for Air. Um, Dominique and I are here today to speak with Cheryl Jouer. Um, Cheryl Jouer is the head of an organization called Team Sharing. And um, our topic for today uh, is really one that actually, actually, Dominique and I have been talking a little bit about that there aren't a lot of resources out there for families that have lost a loved one to substance use disorder. And so we had this discussion that we need to find some of these resources that are out there and have them onto the podcast to let families know uh, what's available. And I have been a big fan of Cheryl's for a couple of years now. And I do know about her organization. I send as many people as I can to team sharing. Um, and so I said to Dominique, let's have Cheryl on and let's, um, let's have a discussion about team sharing, uh, one of the strongest supports out there for families, at least in my opinion, out there for families that have lost a loved one. Hi, Cheryl, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Laurie. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay. So I'm so excited to have you on today um, and to discuss team sharing. Um, can you just give our listeners, um, I don't know if you want to give us a little bit of your background story and how team sharing even got formed. What's the, what's the story behind it? Sure. I'd love to. This could take the whole program. Yeah. <laughs> So um, my son, Corey, died in uh, 2011. Back then, I didn't know anybody who had lost a child, let alone to addiction. Um, I was living in Florida, and he was living in Massachusetts. Back then, again, I thought it was a choice. So I would just tell him all the time, will you just stop, quit, you have a baby, you, you're 23 years old, you need to grow up, you know, and, and I would tell him those things. So on February 24th, 2011, while I was in Massachusetts, I got the phone call um, that dropped me to my knees mm -hmm. um, and uh, had to fly back up to bury my child. Um, for the next couple of years, I suffered in my grief alone. Um, we were new to Florida, so I didn't know a whole lot of people. Um, I did, like I said, I didn't know anybody that had a child in active addiction. I, I, I knew nothing. All I knew was the pain that I felt every single day. And uh, so from Massachusetts, I was flying up um, from Florida, Massachusetts every three months just to be near my son's grave. I would lay on his grave and I would cry and I would cry. And I had nobody to talk to because nobody... I knew lost a child. I, my husband wasn't his dad. Siblings grieve differently. Um, 
nobody understood, which made it even harder for me. And then, um, truthfully, one day in Massachusetts, I called my husband, and this was over two years after losing my son, and I just said, I, I can't do this anymore. I really, I want to die. I don't want to kill myself. I just don't want to live like this anymore. Right. So we decided the first thing to do was to move back home. And so we got rid of our business and we moved back home to Massachusetts where I could be closer to my son. Thank goodness for Facebook because on Facebook, um, I started doing some research and I found a couple of moms that had lost a child and I was flabbergasted. Well, one of those moms reached out and she said, we're having a um, dinner meeting at this restaurant and would love you to come. Um, and I'm like, who is this person? Because she sent it <laughs> a messenger. I'm like, what does she want you know, from me? And she says, there will be, I think she said eight of or seven of us moms. And I just said to my husband, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'm going. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll find out when I get there. Well, that night changed my life because what happened from there was um, we sat there at that table. There were seven of us. We had all lost our child, um, some newer, some longer. Um, but when we shared our child around the table, everybody felt the exact same way. And then I realized I wasn't crazy. They all said at one point, you know what? I want to die too. I don't want to kill myself. I just don't want to live with this pain. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you, you, you felt like that too. And, and they were like, yeah, yeah, but we did. And um, over time, people tend to forget our child's um, date of birth and date of death. And that's really, really tough for us because those dates are the most important dates to us. Mm -hmm. You know, so when we left that night, I was I was on top of the world. I was walking on cloud nine. I went home and I created a Facebook messenger group for us seven because I didn't want to lose these people that mm -hmm. I had just met that I felt like were my family. It was crazy. So, um, so I created the messenger group. And while still on the internet, I heard about uh, the Fed Up rally back in 2015. Yep, yep. So I messaged these moms and I said, hey, anybody want to go to this big fed up rally? Um, and they all said, yeah, the seven of us got on an airplane. We rented rooms together and we went to the fed up rally. And while we were there, we met some other parents that had lost children. Mm -hmm. It was it was crazy. So we got we came back from that event and I said, you know, I, I, I don't want to lose this. So I created a Facebook group for the moms from Massachusetts or the parents from Massachusetts so that we had a place to go because the messenger had just grown too big. Right. Um, we called the messenger group GNO, Girls Night Out. So it was a short. So we still joke about it um, when we see each other or we, we chat with each other because once a year we try to get together this, the, the first seven that, that where this all began. Right. You know. So the originals, uh, the original seven. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, so we created the group and I said, you know what, in order to, to come into this group, you have to share with me your child's name, date of birth and date of death, because we're never going to forget in this group, I will make an announcement every single day on those dates that are so important. 
Well, little did I know we were gonna grow to almost 800 members in Massachusetts, but we never skip a beat. Every single day, there might be seven or eight moms that are being recognized. And they absolutely love it because everybody in the group will say, we're with you, we, we get it, we understand, we're thinking of you, we're praying for you. Um, and, and so that happens. Now, what happened from there was people from heard from different states and they wanted to join um, Massachusetts. And there was a big grief support group that was out there, but they were very territorial. And so I didn't want to become like them. I, I just wanted to be specific because in Massachusetts, we all got to go out. Um, we went out all the time. We did retreats. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's nothing short of getting 100 moms like that to go uh, to, to a retreat someplace. You know, 100 moms that have all lost their child. And we laugh and have fun. And we play baseball at 60 years old. I mean, you know, right. we share in our grief. And right. it doesn't always have to be bad. Right. So, so it's not so so you were making something completely separate because I think I know the group that you're talking about that existed at the time and it's a support group. But yours is um, maybe also support, but in a like done differently, done in a different way. Right. Because it was a, because it's a state group. OK. And and so um, from different different people were asking to join the group and I didn't have the heart to say no. So I was letting them in, but I'm thinking this isn't what I, this wasn't, you know, the, the plan. Right. So New Hampshire was more and, and they live right next to us. So we did a, a TV interview um, on a news station to announce that New Hampshire was going to have a team sharing. Well, that went viral. And then people all over the country were asking to join New Hampshire. Oh, is, boy. <laughs> that's when I knew I had to do the national group, right. which, I, which, which is we have over 3,000 members in there, and, and they're very active. And from in there, I have found admins to do different other states. So the goal really is to support these parents in their grief and to know that they're not alone. And, and that's, that's basically it. it. And we, that's just what we do. And um, we have 21 state chapters now, and we're trying to get one in every state. And uh, we have one in Canada, wow. have, which is, a, a, you know, the team sharing Canada. So it's not a state. Um, we have a siblings group. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, we do that, and there's there's almost 300 members in there, and um, and and that's that's basically it. And the admins that we have, um, they do the same exact thing as we've always done in Massachusetts. So when somebody comes in, they have to share. They don't have to if if they don't want to, but they just they have to be a parent of a child that they've lost from that they've lost yeah. substance use disorder of whatever kind. Right. We don't discriminate. Um, and then it's and then the admin is the one who will start any activities. Start, um, you know, they know their state. They know, and they'll say they'll create an invitation to meet, and there'll be five or six that might go for the first time. Um, Michigan right now is is planning a retreat in August 
Um, and they've got probably 50 already signed up for it, you know, wow. it's a retreat. And so that's, that's the whole goal because these moms, you know, I know because I suffered in my grief for so long. So I, I know what they're feeling. I know exactly what they're feeling. And, um, you know, I guess God had a purpose and a plan. Right, right. This podcast is produced in partnership with Allies in Recovery. Join today and begin our self-guided e-learning program. From the comfort of your own home and at your own pace, you will learn how to shepherd your loved one toward treatment and long-term recovery. Our in-house experts, led by Dominique Simon-Levine, also provide personalized guidance to members. Learn more at alliesinrecovery.net and join today. Amazing. So it is amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> it, it? Totally. You know what's you know what else I think is so amazing about it is how positive it is. That it's yes, there there is absolutely grief, of course, right? But it's so positive in the way that support is given um through your group. And you know, it, it's amazing when uh, something happens and the moms just say, you know, I don't know what I would have done without this group. And I'm like, wow, like I had no idea. It was just, it was simple for me to create it because, you know, I know what it felt like, but I don't realize sometimes the effects that it really has on these grieving moms. Right. You know? Right. And then we do advocacy. So, um, so tell me you do advocacy. So, um, First off, tell me, tell me about some events, because I also know that you put on a lot of different events and um, you advocate, you, I mean, there is a ton of, um, you're very active. You're not just sitting back and talking to people, you're extremely active. So just tell me about all your different activities and what you're doing. Well, as far as advocacy, so what I found over time with these groups well, these parents wanted to do something so that their child didn't die in vain. They wanted a purpose. They wanted a goal. They wanted to do something. And so we did a, um, a couple of years ago, Maura Healy uh, filed a, a, a suit against uh, Purdue Pharmaceuticals and the Sackler family. And it was like dawn hit brain, whatever, that, wow, these kids have really died from a product that was through no fault of their own. I've heard all the stories. So I just put out a message and I said, who wants to go and let's just go to Purdue Pharmaceutical and put up a flag and show them pictures of our kids. And we had, um, they still use that in the Associated Press, that those pictures. Yeah. We, we had almost 500 people come from all over the world with pictures of their kids that just that needed that purpose, that needed that, that outlet to do something. So, so that's, that's huge. We also do advocacy with um, safe injection sites. Now I've taken polls, you know, in, within the groups and a lot of people are like, oh, no, 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 don't want anything to do with safe injection sites. And I've said to them, okay, but become educated first on, on the subject before you, you know, now, if you look into the groups, 
the parents that have already lost their child are 99% in favor of safe injection, safe injection sites, yeah, facilities. And um, I've gone and spoke in front of the chair of the joint committee uh, in Boston on it. Um, I've gone to Pennsylvania for the safe house and spoke there on it. Um, and, and there again, uh, with these parents, it's like, when you're ready, if you want to join or if you want to, it's nothing I throw down their faces or make them do or right, right. like that. But I'll say, hey, this is what's going on. If you're ready and this is what you want to do, this is what's going to happen. You know, because again, grief is just right. Everybody's at different stages and there's, there's no direct route for it. Right, right. Now, and Go ahead. So, so one of the positive things that we do too is, um, and we've done it for the past five years, is we do Christmas. Um, I became a nonprofit in 2017, although we did the Christmas before that. Um, but there's a lot of parents who have lost their child who had children. And these children, through no fault of their own, suffer. They wake up on Christmas morning um, without that mom or their dad, mm -hmm. and without that other part of the income. And so we've done uh, we've done a backpack drive for these kids. So what I do is I just I put it out there on on Facebook and all the groups, and say, and there's no money um, qualifications because. Your child and my child, their hearts break just the same. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much money they have. So that's not even a qualification. It's if you have a grandchild that from your child that lost, um, we'd like to buy them a backpack for Christmas. And we don't just go to Walmart and buy backpacks. We go to L.O. Bean. And we did the same thing with coats. We did a, a coat drive. And we went to L.L. Bean. We put it out there and they, they applied and we sent them coats from L.L. Bean. Amazing. We, we do the same at Christmas. And so usually what we do in Massachusetts, because there's so many of us, is we hold a Christmas party every single year. We have Santa Claus. We have food. These kids get the gifts. We limit up, up to $100 gifts. So pick a gift that you want for about $100. And, um, and we've done that the the, the past couple of years, but this year was a little different because of COVID. Right. And so we couldn't do a Christmas party. So what we decided to do was, you know what, if, if you can't come to Santa, Santa's going to come to you. So we got a whole bunch of moms in, in uh, or a whole bunch of families in Massachusetts. We had two Santas and one drove to the North and one <laughs> drove to the South and they stopped at all the houses because these kids have been coming every year. Right. And we don't want to have them forget, be forgotten, and think that Santa didn't, didn't think of them. So, um, so, so we did that. But what we also did this year, which was new, was, it was we opened it up to the whole entire team sharing and said, fill out this application. If you have a child that lost and they have children, and some had four, apply and we'll get them the gift of their choice up to a hundred dollar limit we did 123 gifts to so do the math yep i was i was fretting a little bit but yep. you know what? <laughs> you know um the money was coming in to pay for it 
So, right. so we paid almost $15,000 and, and we got that back in, in fundraising. So right. it's just, it was a no brainer and it made so many children happy. As a matter of fact, our website right now uh, posted the pictures yesterday and a lot of the, the sayings from the moms um, thanking team sharing. And so if you have an opportunity to go visit the website, um, this, it's still under construction. There were a few things that needed to be fixed, but um, so we're really, really happy that we got to do that. So we called it 2020 COVID Christmas. 2020 COVID Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, we, we um, I mean, we from uh, skateboards to um, Pandora bracelets, I mean, whatever they ask for. And thank God for Amazon. <laughs> so really, I just did about everything on Amazon and it was it was great. Amazing. Amazing. So um, so uh, you bring up a good point. If someone wanted to get in contact with you or if someone wanted to go ahead and look around could you give us the um what is the website address it's teamsharinginc.org okay teamsharinginc.org and what about on um on facebook because this is basically a lot is done on facebook right right um but you can go to the website and and click on the link okay the resources to join the state that um, all 21 states are listed there as a link. Okay. So, so if there's somebody that wants to join a state, that's that's all they have to do is, is go there and, and uh, click on the link. Now a short pause for a word from our partner, Allies in Recovery. Is your loved one resistant to getting treatment? Are you hitting a wall when you try to communicate with them or offer them help? Is your own mental or physical health deteriorating? The CRAFT method, which we teach on our e-learning platform, was designed to address these very challenges. A membership with Allies in Recovery gives you unlimited access to a library of learning videos, ebooks, and worksheets, as well as in-house expert guidance tailored to your situation. Visit alliesinrecovery.net today. Dominique, do you have any questions for Cheryl? I do. First off, thank you. What a story. And I'm so sorry to hear about your son. And, and I understand that pain, um, not firsthand anyway, from the loss of a child, but my very best girlfriend here in Quebec lost her only son. She's a single mom. It'll be, it, it was three years in October. And I, she lives this, this stasis of, wanting to die and not being willing to kill herself. That's pretty much how she describes where she is. So I'm just first, I'm just amazed at the model you created because recovery, you know, in peer supports and in Al-Anon Al Al and, and AA and so many peer recovery groups, this being of service, this being, me uh, being meaningful and purposeful, is one way in which we recover being of service. And it seems like maybe that's what you're tapping. And I'm wondering, it's it's so positive and exciting because again, my girlfriend, she's gone to some grief groups, but it's so traumatizing to see families that are 10, 15 years out from 
have losing their child who sound like it was yesterday. I mean, it, it there can be it, it can be it can be dangerous for yourself to go into some of this this grief stuff. So I'm I'm thrilled to hear something that turns it upside down and makes it so positive, useful, simple, connected with one another. Of course, of course, what you've done makes just the most amazing sense. So I'm wondering, one, is it done anywhere else outside of those that have lost children to substance use disorder? What do you mean? Have you seen this in any other grieving uh, group? that runs on activities as opposed to running on on a, a 30 minute or an hour long sitting sit around in a circle and, and talking about it kind of thing. Right. Well, first of all, it's funny that you should say that because I can't go to those grief support groups because I leave for me. I leave feeling worse than when I walked in. Mm -hmm. So, Dominique, I, I totally get what your friend's feeling. Um, however, I have a really good friend who lost her son, who has a daughter. Her name is Faith, or who has a granddaughter whose name is Faith. My granddaughter's name is Faith. Her and I are really good friends. She can't go into our Facebook group because it depresses her. So, you know, everybody's different, but you got to do what's right for you. If you know that that's not good for you, then don't go there. So um, I, I know that those aren't good for me. And I don't go there, but that doesn't mean it's not good for somebody else. You know, they'll, they'll all have to know. Um, we're the only grief that does the states. And um, there, there are different grief groups out there that do, um, that have thousands of members. And I always tell people, I, I've never been territorial. I've never been, this has got to be bigger and better for me. I've never been that. As a matter of fact, when there's a new group, I will announce it in my group and say, hey, go check it out. You might like it. I'm not saying leave my group. I don't want you here. But I'm saying this might be another resource for you. Some people enjoy being in several groups. Some people only want one group. Mm -hmm. That's okay. What I say is do what works for you. I don't care if you leave do this group because it's not working for you. Then find one that does. You know, Um but we're the only ones that do the state groups. And those are really, really important to me because of the grief and, and um, you know, being alone for so long in, in grief. And um, some, sometimes I will spend days on my computer researching, finding moms that are out there alone that don't have any resources. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, you know, I, I'll find them or word of mouth or whatever, and I will invite them um, I just found 13 moms in Oklahoma yesterday and invited them all. And so far, four have joined, um, you know, that didn't know about it. But they're in other groups, too. But this is specific to state. And there's nothing like meeting somebody in your own state. And I can't even tell you that instant connection when you meet. You could be opposite polar people. But the minute you meet, it's like an instant connection. It, it's, it's crazy, but it is. And it almost sounds like, <clears throat> it sounds like this wasn't really planned. <laughs> that this, <laughs> just, this just fell into your it, lap. It, no, it, it was not planned at all. Because, okay, I'm 62 years old. I'd love to retire, right? <laughs> I am so wrapped up in this. This is my office. I can't retire. 
Um, when I became a nonprofit, let me just tell you that little story. Um, I got a phone call in 2017 from a hospital. And now here I am helping all these moms and I'm trying to start up these different states. And, and I got a call from a hospital and they said, we just uh, want to let you know that there is somebody who's just passed and um, the parents don't have money to help pay for the funeral. Do you know of any resources that we could reach out to, to help with this? And I swear, I just like looked at my phone and I, I just started to cry and I'm like, here I am helping people, but when they really need it, I'm not helping. I can't help. And then religious or not, I just, I felt God say, okay, you're going to become a nonprofit. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no, I don't want to be a nonprofit. I'm not going to paperwork. I'm not. And he said, <laughs> he said yes, you are. And so um, I, I swear within two months, I was a nonprofit. And that's what we do. As a matter of fact, this morning, um, I came in early because I had to write out a check um, to a funeral home in Pennsylvania. So, um, but that's what we do. You yeah. know, we help the children left behind. We, we help, um, you know, funeral costs. We, we help with all that, with all that stuff. And so now I can feel good about it. Awesome. 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 Yeah, but you're right. It did, it did fall on my lap. It fell but... into, yeah, it really was. It was like, you know what, we're going to, we're, um, you don't have a choice. You don't no. have a choice, Cheryl. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, the, the pain that I felt for those two and a half years before I met another mom, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Yeah. I, woke up, I woke up in the morning crying. I went to bed at night crying. That's yep. all I did. That's all I did. I, did yep. pain. I didn't know how to get rid of it. So that's why it's so important for me to reach out and find these new moms. We'll, I, will no. get a group, I will get a group of moms together, dads, families, and we'll go. If we hear of uh, a funeral or a, a wake, we will go. I'll bring my brochure and I'll leave it in the basket. But we'll tell that mom, you're not alone. And when you are ready, yeah, because right. we all love that child and we get it. And and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do six months later. Sometimes they do right away. Right. As long as we let them know that we're here. That's all we need to do. Right. That is, that's actually um, something that I, I wonder about, um, because I am on the uh, family task force in the state of Rhode Island, and um, the task force is made up of families that still have a loved one um, in active use, or maybe in recovery, uh, too, um, but also families that have lost a loved one. And I'm also, I'm very worried about um, you know, I, I don't want to force resources on people if they too early. I want I want to be respectful, um, and uh, I don't know how to do that. So so relying on people that have lost and asking them what would what would have helped you or what could we do to try and be supportive and how do we go about doing that? So you you saying this kind of helps me a little bit. How do I, how do I support those families? Right. And, and each state is different. They're, they're unique because there are some states, especially down South that 
the stigma yeah. is still huge. Yeah. And the parents will actually move out of state before they'll tell anybody their child died from an overdose. Wow. And that's sad. Really so, sad. Because now they're going to just move someplace else, but they've still got that grief. Oh. And they can't talk to anybody about oh. it because, because they're ashamed. Yeah, the pain. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can feel that. Yep. So that's that's really that's really hard. So some of those groups are really tough getting um, getting people involved because that's their thinking. Right. Right. Well, Cheryl, team 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 sharing does such incredible advocacy work in any way, uh, all these practical ways that you've just been talking about, and and less practical ways too. Um, I'm sure politically and policy wise and everything. I'm just wondering if you see this Purdue uh, settlement, the Sackler family settlement and the Purdue settlement and the monies that are coming into these states, are you, are you hoping to be recognized and funded by some of these dollars that are coming in? Um, it seems such a valuable piece of the puzzle and uh, sort of like what we do at Allies in Recovery with family training, it's hardly known, let alone recognized. And I just feel like now's our time to jump on it and just make so clear what we're going through as families and what is needed and the, the support, the training, the grief work, the advocacy, the, the foundations that help with, uh, we've done the same thing at Allies in Recovery. We're thinking of a, of a little, a little uh, scholarship where we can help people bridge a month of rent or whatever so that they don't end up homeless because their loved one is active and dangerous and you know what, whatever whatever's going on. It takes practical dollars sometimes just to resolve it. And that's, that, that's been our thinking too. You are listening to Coming Up for Air, sponsored in part by alliesinrecovery.net. Here is a testimonial from an Allies member. This is Allies in Recovery member GP Traveler. I contacted SAMHSA and they directed me to Allies in Recovery. Craft has been a lifesaver for me and through it my daughter. In the first day of the modules, My husband and I learned how to position ourselves and how to have conversations with her. No more dramatic pleas with reminders of how bad things had become. I listened, then spoke calmly and offered information on services she could reach out to. The first thing that changed was her hopeless attitude. Visit alliesinrecovery.net for more information about joining. Now, back to the Coming Up for Air podcast. So, so going back to the advocacy of Purdue, I can, I can speak on that just a little bit. Um, so we, if there was um, a building that needed to be, uh, we asked for their name, the Sackler names taking off the building, we were there. Um, we were at so many different events, and then all of a sudden, Purdue went uh, bankrupt. And I went to New York. This was all in a whirlwind, too, so this has got to be God thing. But I was selected to be on the Unsecured Creditors Committee on the bankruptcy of Purdue Pharmaceuticals. 
So it, that's that, that's huge because I'm on the inside. What what I had to tell people that were so used to going out and doing the advocacy is that I can't share anything with you, but you just have to trust me that I'm doing my best because I have a voice inside this committee. So that's still in process. Um, so I, I, I want to touch base on one of the biggest advocacy things that, that we tried doing the last couple of years. Um, August 31st is International Overdose Awareness Day around the world. Um, it's the one day of the year that we have that we can recognize those that have died from addiction. Um, it's, it's called overdose awareness, but it's, it's basically from substance use disorder. Two years ago, uh, we set out to get our flags lowered to half staff on International Overdose Awareness Day. Mm -hmm. We thought, you know what, what, you want to end the stigma. All these states say that they're, you know, they're fighting for us. Then simply lower the flag for International Overdose Awareness Day. So we started last, well, 2019. Connecticut was the only state that lowered the flag to half staff. Mm -hmm. Many states gave us proclamations. Those are easy. Just fill out a proclamation and hand it to us, and and you think we're okay, but 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 we're not. But we're okay. not. <laughs> not okay. Right. So I created a, an event to lower the flags to half staff, and it was it was really really huge last year, 2020. We had all the admins uh, contacting their governors, and they were all coming back with no answers. Um, we had the president of the United States in June announced that he was going to lower the flags to half staff once COVID um, deaths hit 100,000, which rightfully so, rightfully so, that should have been lowered for them. But we're saying, what about us? What, like, what about us? So we kept trying with all our governors, and they kept saying, no, we don't have the authority to do that. Um, and then I... I wrote to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs that told me, yes, the governors do have the power. It is within their authority. So I had it. We took that to the governors. They still said no. I had legislation back me. I had um, 72 reps in, in Massachusetts write a letter to the governor. I had uh, 39 members of Congress write a letter to the president. I mean, we, like, we tried everything. I even waited August 31st outside, just going, okay, God, this is it. You got to drop that flag. Yeah. Just tell the president, have the president just say, drop that. That's all we're asking. And I had so many of the moms waiting for that answer and we didn't get it. And we were heartbroken. And we said, you know what, we're going to pick it up and we're going to do it again next year. And we're going to start even earlier. All it would have taken was the president just to say, lower the flags. I did it for the 100,000 that died for coronavirus, right. for the hundreds of thousands that have died from right. addiction. You know what that would have done for the, for, it didn't cost a thing to do. Right. And why do you, do you have any idea, like what's the barrier? Why, why just not just think, do it? I, so I just think the stigma, I mean, when, 2019, we sent, we, we sent 
Valentine's to the president of the United States. Yeah. We did another campaign. Let's get this out to the president of the United States with photos of our kids with, with letters of who they were. Because on this day of February 14th, you know, this is a day of love that the nation shares, but we can't do that with our child anymore. So, you know, we just, it was just another way for advocacy just to be heard. On February 4th that year, there was the school shootings down in Florida mm-hmm. where 17 people died. And you've got hundreds of thousands of us around the world that have lost our child. 17 people died and we are not undermining that by any right. means. They, right. have, they have parents too that, are, that have lost. But these folks got their funerals paid. They, right. you know, they, so everything that we did for that event on February was just kind of pushed. Yeah. In, in his defense, he did send us all letters like in May. Yep. You know, but that wasn't the thing. We wanted national recognition on that day so we could be heard. Right. So it just seems like with us, when it comes time to addiction or anything like that, we just get swept under the table. It's yeah. Just, so and, I, and I just I, wanna, I'm just ahead. thinking in Massachusetts, Massachusetts alone should be um, lowering the flag. That's right. There's that huge campaign. They've got commercials. Yep. A state without stigma. Come on, lower the flag. No, he wouldn't. I know. I, yeah. So we, we actually went in front of the state house and all kinds of moms with their, with their uh, children's photo screaming for half a day, lower our flags, lower our flags. And they, they still wouldn't do it. And so just recently too, with this new COVID money that came out? Well, the final COVID bill was just released and the rules committee removed the $75 million care recovery and the state opioid response emergency funding. Yep. And that that was done at the 11th hour, but let's pay $1.5 million to watch a lizard walk on a treadmill. Right. Are you kidding me? Right. Really? Like we always... Get left Always out. get the yeah right. Get, I, I, I uh, don't get it. Yep. I don't get it. Yep. No, I I was watching that as well, Cheryl. I you know I'm I'm a huge advocate, just in a different um, avenue. Yep. But yep. and I was watching that too, and I was like, I when I saw that they cut all that money, my jaw just dropped because actually one community that's be, that's really suffering horribly because of COVID are people with um, behavioral health, mental health, substance use disorder, and you're taking the money away. I, do, I don't get it. I don't get it. No. And I agree with you. I think it's very stigma driven. It is. It yeah. is. So, so, the, so the CARES Act, as just to give you another example, I did the math on the CARES Act out of, I don't know how many billions, the CARES Act, there was 5 million set aside for families, five million, and of that five million, not a not a dime went for anything other than just loosely called yeah. support because right. they don't they don't even know that they, they don't even know how to break out the different kinds of services family needs to make sure that we all get some the grief the training the supports right. the online you know the 
the peer recovery supporters. I mean, that seems pretty incredible, but right. yeah, nothing, absolutely no money. And we, we don't get money as far as a grief support organization. We, I've, I've applied for grants. I get turned down all the time. Um, the, the funding that we do is from fundraising. Right. Is from, 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 this right. shirt I have on right now, team sharing through um, Custom Inc. Fundraising. Um, I, we raised about $15,000 selling these shirts. Um, it, it's uh, the birthday fundraisers on Facebook. That's how we get our money. We don't get our money from any state, any community, any, any, um, anything. It's just right. fundraising. Right. Yeah. Well, I created Allies in Recovery is a for-profit, not because it needs to make profit, but because I'm going to be sustained by earned profits and not the will and whim of uh, funders that come and go and uh, and don't right. even recognize us as recognize us as a group in need of of attention. So it's like. It's much better to ask for $39 from a family for the year than it is to, you know, go endlessly down these rabbit holes looking for a little bit of money. It's right. I've been doing it for 17 years, I know. Right. Well, Cheryl, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Um, I I'm gonna invite you to come back because I do know that in the future we're gonna have a lot more to talk about. Um, so I'll just kind of put a little teaser out there for our listeners so so that the next podcast when they see your name on it, um, they'll know to listen in. Uh, this was a great conversation. I worship the ground you walk on. What you are doing, Cheryl, is so important and um, and couldn't have a better person doing it. So um, I appreciate you coming on and I want to have you on again. Um, Dominique. Well, again, thank you. This, this was enlightening and, 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 and hopeful and you're making a big difference in people's lives. And so I hope you're going to bed happy at night because you're, you're just, you know, when, when, when we take our adversity and turn it into a passion, it's pretty amazing what happens. So, so thanks again, Cheryl. Now make sure you tell your friend that just lost her son that there was a group in Canada. Okay. She, it wasn't addiction. It was an ATV accident. Oh, sorry. And so she's, oh. she's, she's fighting for, uh, there's no mandatory training in Quebec. And these people, you know, they've been on dirt bikes their whole lives and motorcycles. And you, you, you get on an ATV the first time and it's a whole different animal and there's no mandatory training. So she just on the third anniversary of the third year, she had a piece in the front page of the Sherbrooke record. And uh, there, there was a mandatory training law that was passed, at least for tourists in Quebec. So very good. You know, and I always say to anybody that's lost a child, it doesn't matter how you lost a child. That pain is still the same. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. 
If you have a suggestion for a new topic or guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, our production team, and Mikael Mouboussin for the original music composition.